Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Good Life Radio Podcast. Today, the 30th day of March, 2015. The phone number, as always, 607-203-5330. Broadcasting to you live from sunny, yet chilly New York City. Please bear with me as I'm uh, trying to get my voice back from Saturday night's game. Our Kentucky Wildcats off to the final four. 38-0, Indianapolis bound. Obviously, I had to do a Kentucky show today. There was no question about that. I get asked the same question over and over again, especially around tournament time. How does a guy, born and raised in New York City, become a Kentucky fan and a diehard Kentucky fan? Well, the abbreviated version, since our guest is on hold, 23 years ago, this past Saturday, I'm 12 years old, watching the Elite Eight game, not knowing much about college basketball. All my friends, a little, little bit older than me, front-running Duke fans. As a joke, and basically to be a little bit of a wise-ass, I get a black marker on my white shirt, plain white shirt, I write Kentucky on it. Knowing nothing about Kentucky or the Wildcats or Big Blue Nation, I'm obnoxiously cheering for them, going back and forth, rubbing it in, and probably one of the greatest games of all time. 2.1 seconds left. This guy, number 11 for Kentucky, drives to the lane, banks a shot over Christian Leitner, and Kentucky goes up 102-101. I'm running around like an absolute madman, basically like how, how I was Saturday night. We're going to the Final Four. My new team, we're going to the Final Four. Nothing can go wrong, right? Well, with only 2.1 seconds left, it happens. I've always wanted to interview today's guest. He's the start. Listen, everyone knows Cameron Mills is my favorite player. But this is the start. This is the first basketball player I ever recognized as my favorite player growing up. He started my unhealthy obsession with the University of Kentucky. He's the reason my wife and probably other girls left me. He's the reason I missed my uncle's funeral. And he's the reason that current plans for Easter Sunday are put on hold for the Kentucky game. Ladies and gentlemen, proud and humbled to introduce the current head coach of Moorhead State University, a member of the Unforgettables, Kentucky legend, number 11, Sean Woods. Sean Woods, thank you, man, for giving me a few minutes of your time on Monday, bro. No problem, no problem. Um, um, I'm, I've already become a fan of your show, and I, this is my first time watching it. I mean, listen, so I'm going to have to listen more. <laughs> well, listen, listen. Finish up the story now for me. 2.1 seconds left. You hit probably one of the biggest shots in Kentucky history. Before we start the interview, finish up now. There's 2.1 seconds left. The Unforgettables, you guys are about to go to the Final Four. What happens? Well, it was a timeout call, and, uh, you know, Coach Patino knew the play, and the last thing he said before we went out there is don't foul, and that's exactly what Darren and John, that was the last thing that they had on their mind, and uh, they wanted to make sure that, that Christian didn't get a chance to win the game going to the line where, you know, for whatever reason, they were too passive, and uh, he got the best look that he had had all mm-hmm. night, and he buried it after a night of mm-hmm. being perfect, 10 for 10 from the line and 10 for 10 from the field. I, that game, it's funny because that's the most probably played clip. Whenever it's on, you get a little bit of a knot in your stomach. You're probably worse than me because you played in it, but it's still one of the worst moments of my life to this day, so... Sean, first of all, happy birthday. Your birthday was yesterday, so happy belated birthday. Well, I appreciate and it. And you start, you grow up in Indiana. Why Kentucky? 
Well, my mom's from Lexington, Kentucky. The whole side of my mom's family from Lexington, Kentucky. So I, you know, I spent my summers almost every summer uh, in Lexington, hanging hanging out with my you know family and, and things like that. And I grew fond of Kentucky basketball. So Indiana had no shot at recruiting you. No, they had a shot. The only thing is, the year before they had just signed Jay Edwards and Lyndon Jones, who was a co-Mr. Basketballs in the state of Indiana, who had won three straight champions, state championships at Marion High School, and I didn't want to go to a place where I had to, excuse me, share time. I want to go someplace where I can have an opportunity to start right away as a freshman. Now you're on Kentucky while you guys are on probation. You're unable to compete in the postseason. Were you guys just itching? Because you guys were were really good in 91. Were you guys just itching for, like, the 91-92 season to get that postseason to, to prove to everybody how good you guys are? Well, no doubt about it because it was our only shot. You know, we were on probation, so we only had one crack at it as seniors, so we wanted to make the best of it. How would you, because you didn't get a chance, like all these kids now come to Kentucky, they're going to the Elite Eight. They're going to the Final Four. It's kind of basically a given now. How do you describe your four years, knowing you only had that one good run? Because that's you all—that was the only thing you were able to have. How do you describe your four years at Kentucky? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, what I mean, I, I, I played. You know, I was fortunate enough to play at the most historical basketball program in all of college basketball. Now, you finish an amazing career. You don't make it to the NBA. Now, I don't know how that doesn't happen. Now, did you ever want to play overseas? Did you ever want to do the international thing, or was coaching? Did you always want to eventually get into coaching? Well, I did for a little bit, but things just never worked out the way I wanted to. So, you know, I believe that everything happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my share of playing overseas, but everything happened for a reason. And, you know, now I'm doing, you know, the, the next, next thing is to uh, get to touch kids and make them great basketball players. Not only that, make them great people. Now, you're a head coach at Mississippi Valley State. Uh, after three or four years, you take him to the tournament, which is insane. Now, as a coach, because I'm always curious with this, take me because you're coaching now a competitive team in Mississippi Valley State and at Moorhead. Take me to the recruiting process. What do you look for in a kid? What is your signs like besides being a good ball player? What do you look for that stands out that you want to coach? That you want? I want to coach that kid. Well, you know, I, I, I like kids that have a chip on their shoulders who feel it feels like they've been overlooked. That are very, very talented. You know, at this level. Uh, especially high school kids, you're not going to get attract a, a really, really good high school kid who's getting recruited by a, a, a decent mid-major school or high-major school. So we have to be careful in how we pick and choose uh, who, who we recruit. So, you know, you got to be creative. you got to be, uh, you know, get some of the diamonds in the rough. But not only that, you know, they got to have a chip on their shoulders to, to say, you know, I want to make the best of my situation and I want to come play for Sean Woods knowing that he's going to make me a better player a better individual, a better student-athlete, and uh, he's going to coach and push me harder than I've ever been coached and pushed before in my life. As a coach now, what is the most – what is a different perspective? What is Coach Sean Woods – what would you say to Sean Woods as a Kentucky player? What did you do wrong as a player? Like, wow, I gave Patino a hard time about what? Ah, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I gave Coach Patino a hard time um... – I don't know. That, that's. I don't think I gave him a hard time. That, that's that's the thing. I, I don't think I gave Coach Patino a hard time at all. I, I felt like I was an easy guy to coach. Compared to compared to these kids nowadays, I was a real good kid to coach. Oh yeah, I bet. Now, Sean, I gotta tell you something funny. So, last month, 
so I interviewed Cameron Mills a few months ago, maybe last year, and we've you know we became pretty good friends. So I make my pilgrimage down to Kentucky last month. The private tour of Rupp, I did his radio show, I did Dick Gabriel's show, and I brought along my friend Eddie. Him and I travel all over together. We go to all these random games. And Eddie will wake up one morning and just fly out to Utah to watch Utah Tech play. So I tell him, I'm like, oh, I'm going to interview Sean Woods. And his eyes light up. He's like, I love Sean Woods. I'm like, how do you love Sean Woods? You don't like Kentucky. You didn't go to Mississippi Valley State. You don't know anything about Moorhead State. He's calling in now. I think this is the first time he's ever spoken, but he has to ask you a question, Sean. So I'm going to put him on hold. Eddie, you're on the line with the great Sean Woods, Ed. What's up? Hi, good afternoon. What's up, Eddie? Eddie, X, tell Sean the story you told me, and I'll see if he remembers what you're talking about. Okay, well, I just wanted to call in to uh, tell a story which uh, was basically one of the best things uh, I've ever uh, witnessed in college basketball, the uh, opening round of the NCAA playoffs uh, in Dayton when uh, Coach Woods was coaching Mississippi Valley State. And uh, basically the first round, it was a close game, uh, it, was a, it was a game where President Obama attended, and he uh, showed up and he watched the first game of the opening round. And uh, it was a close back-and-forth game. Uh, Mississippi Valley State, they wound up losing by one point to uh, Western Kentucky in this particular game. And Obviously, I Sean, obviously you remember the game he's talking about. <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I had uh, bought my ticket on the uh, secondary market and had gone out to Dayton. Um you know, to watch the opening round, and my uh, ticket was in the Mississippi Valley State uh, section. So I'm sitting in the Mississippi Valley State section the entire game, and, uh, you know, it was a really close game, and then after the game was over, next game started, and I noticed that you had, uh, you know, come up into the crowd and started thanking all the uh, supporters of Mississippi Valley State for making the trip out there, and uh, I had never seen that before. And I just thought it was a uh, like a special moment, you know, considering everything that was going on and considering how uh, difficult of a loss you had just, uh, you know, suffered. And I wound up, uh, you know, telling everybody and writing about, uh, you know, that moment. And I think it was it was one of the best, uh, personally, it was one of the best things I've ever experienced in college basketball. Yeah, well, that's you know, that's, yeah I heard it, you know. Well, that's that's why I do that here. You know, after we had a heartbreaking loss against Murray State, you know, um, now I'm not a guy who hides. You know, what I'm saying I'm 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 not a guy who hides. I mean, I, I, what you see is what you get with me, and um, you know, I'm a very passionate and and and, and person when it comes to stuff like that, and. Uh, you know, you just you, know, you you need to hug somebody else besides your team. You know, especially under a situation like that. And uh, you know, I, I was just thanking all the people who had supported us all year because a lot of people doubted us. Who would have thought that Mississippi Valley State would win 21 straight games or whatever and get to the NCAA tournament under the situation that they were in? I mean, it's probably the most difficult college basketball job in in, in that there is, and probably they they have the 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 less the most less resources in any school in the United States. It's probably the poorest school in Division One athletics. And for us to take a, you know, have a situation like that and have a miraculous year uh, with some of the people who stuck with us, you know, I just want to tell them thank you. And, and a lot of those supporters was my family too. Yeah, he, Sean, he tells that story all the time. And that, I feel that put you like on the map. Now, why, obviously the reason, but I'm curious why, why do you leave there? Is it because of the resources and stuff to go to Moorhead State University? 
Yeah, you got to. You know, I had outgrown that, you know what I'm saying, and it was just a bigger and better opportunity. You know, you just uh, you seize the moment. And, uh, you know, it was an opportunity for, you know, to, to me to get a better job. Exactly. Now, you guys have a great run this year. You lose to Murray in the semis, which is crushing. And I think you guys, Belmont played in the championship. You guys split with Belmont during the year, right? Right. Okay, so crushing loss. Obviously, all Big Blue Nation, everyone's cheering for you. What do you say to these kids? I'm, you can't console me after a loss. And I'm 33 years old. When we lose, I turn my phone off. I shut my life off. My life is on hold. What do you say to these 18, 19-year-old kids in the locker room after a loss like that? Well, you know, you, you, you let them sulk a little bit because it's supposed to hurt. That's what athletics is all about. It's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. But, you know, you try to let them know that it's not the end of the world and, and – especially when you're proud of them and they gave everything that they had. So you're not disappointed from that standpoint. You know, you look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, you know, we left it out on the line. You know, we played as hard as we possibly could. You know, a mistake here, a mistake there. But that, that all that happens in a, in, a, in a college basketball game. But for the most part, you know, you just try to console them. The seniors, you know, that they don't have any more college basketball left. So you try to console them the most. Um and you tell them how proud you are of them. And we even had our president and our athletic director coming into the uh, locker room, too, because they were just as devastated and heartbroken for the kids as I was. Now, right now, I'm going to jump to Kentucky basketball, obviously. Right now, we're all witnessing history. 38-0. Before we get into <clears> the run and everything, what do you what do you think of that Notre Dame game Saturday night? Uh, I thought the Notre Dame couldn't have played any better than what they did. And... I feel sorry for their kids because uh, I've been in that situation before, especially in the final leg, when you're mm-hmm. playing against, you know, a juggernaut like Kentucky, which, you know, at, at that time we were playing Duke, who uh, who was, you know, the number one team in the country all year. And you give them everything you got. And for some odd reason you come up short like that, it's very, very unfortunate. So I can, I feel for the Notre Dame, you know, kids and, and their coach and things like that, but, on the other hand, you know, they've made a miraculous run, and I think that's the farthest Notre Dame has been in their history. It but, is. You know, on the other hand, I'm, a, I'm still a Kentucky guy, and I was a little <laughs> nervous, you know. Uh, but I just think that this Kentucky team is destined, just like Duke was destined back in 92. And I just think that this team is going to make a run, a historical run, uh, and win these next two games in the Final Four. I'm talking with Kentucky legend, Moorhead State University head coach, Sean Woods, and it's funny that it was the 23, 23rd anniversary of the shot, and Notre Dame has the ball. And I said, "It can't happen again. There's no way history is going to repeat itself and just burn a whole other fan base like that." I thought this is my personal opinion, and I want to hear yours because obviously you're more in the know. You're a head coach. That West Virginia game, they embarrassed West Virginia. It was, and I felt this is, it might sound silly. I'm like, that was too easy. I don't want to. Listen, I want them. I don't want any close games because I can't ha- have it. They're taking years off of my life. But my thing is, I don't want every game to be blown. I need a game when they're tested, when they're like, this is it. Your season's about to end. Do you think that Notre Dame game is the bad game? Because they played a C-minus game. Notre Dame played an A-plus game. Wisconsin played an A-plus-plus game against Arizona. Do you think everything's just falling right, that we needed that bad game against Notre Dame? Well, I, I just think you got to understand, too, now, Coach Mike Brain's a pretty doggone co- good coach. And I just thought he did a good job of, of scouting Kentucky and exploiting mm-hmm. some of their weaknesses. 
And I just thought that they executed the way they needed to execute, the way they felt like they what they needed to do to give themselves a chance to win. And, you know, I thought they did everything that they could. I thought they stuck with the game plan. I thought they gave Kentucky trouble from a defensive standpoint. I thought they exploited Kentucky uh, on the switching, bringing their bigs out and having to have to guard Grant out there on the uh, on the perimeter. Uh, but, you know, you know, the other team scouts, the other, you know, scouts Kentucky too, and, I thought I thought that Notre Dame did a great job of preparing them, their kids to to have a chance to win and beat Kentucky, and uh, just unfortunately that uh, came down to some free throws and whoever had the last possession, and Kentucky had the last possession for the most part, and they got mm-hmm. fouled, and one of their better players went to the line and made two free throws. So you got to tip your head off to Kentucky for withstanding uh, a great effort and a great scout by Notre Dame, but on the other hand. That just lets you know that, you know, I think destiny is, is all over Kentucky basketball right now. And there hasn't been a team since 1976 to go undefeated. And I just think this is a great year for history to repeat itself after, you know, 30, 40 some years. Now, before the tournament started, I watched a lot of college basketball, more than the NBA, actually. And I said, I actually think Duke, of course, can beat Kentucky just because they have Okafor, you know. And I said, I thought Arizona, the way they were playing at the end of the year, not in the beginning, the last two months can beat them. And I just, and I'm going to sound silly, I know Jay Billish, Jay Williams, all these guys know way more than me. Wisconsin can beat them, Kentucky's beatable. Do you, and of course, the spread six, of course, it's going to be a close game. Do you see Wisconsin legitimately, not as on any given day, anyone can beat anyone. Do you see Wisconsin really giving Kentucky a game and possibly beating them on a Saturday night? Listen. It's the final four. These are the top four teams in the country right now who's playing. So anybody can beat anybody in the final four. But I just think, like I said again, I just think that this Kentucky team is desperate. Um, I think they're too deep. Uh, I think, you know, Wisconsin can't can't have two or three guys have bad games. Everybody's got to play a perfect game for Wisconsin, whereas Kentucky, you know, two or three guys don't play well. They got enough guys to still (laughs) – be able to win. So from that standpoint, just like I thought everyone played well for Notre Dame and Notre Dame had, a, you know, had was one possession away from winning the basketball game. I think Wisconsin has to be the same. I, I just think that everybody's got to be on their A game. If there's one or two guys who are not playing well, uh, I don't think Wisconsin has a chance, but you know, it's going to take their whole team uh, to play almost a perfect game to beat Kentucky, and I thought Notre Dame was was as close as anybody as far as that was as far as that is concerned. What does the future hold for Sean Woods? Obviously, you want to stay in coaching. What do you want to do? What is your ultimate goal? What is Sean? What does the future hold for Sean Woods? Well, first of all, you know, getting more has stayed back to the NCAA tournament. But my ultimate goal is to put myself in a position to where. I can win a national championship. I think that's every mm-hmm. coach. I think every coach would want to be in a situation where they have a chance to win a national championship. Uh, and that's where I want to be. I want to be at a place where I can win a national championship, have a chance to. <clears throat> now, Sean, let me ask you this question. And I'm not familiar with the coaching hierarchy. Everyone knows the Coach Cows, the Coach K, Izzo, all these guys. Would you, and listen, it's not even out there, would you take an assistant job at this point at a big school or do you want to keep building your way up to a – would you feel that was a step down for you taking an assistant job at a big-time school, at a Kentucky, at an SEC school or a big-time school, or do you want to keep going more head state, bigger, bigger, until you get to the big time? No, I want to stay as a head coach. You know, I got my assistant coach here looking, and you said that he almost cringed. <laughs> uh, 
he does not want me taking those sister jobs. So, no, I, I, I don't. That's 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 not what I want to do. I actually want to just continue to be a head coach and continue to get you know maximize in every situation that I'm in. All right, Sean. Before I let you go, I have a couple of questions and. I actually, we actually know, obviously, Sean from Rafferty. He's the same person. He's the one who introduced us. Oh, yeah. He told me what a cool guy you are and you're, you're exceeding expectations. You and I are at, we're out. We're at Rafferty's. We're having a steak. You want to impress somebody there. You take out your phone. I ask everyone who I interview the same question. Who's the coolest person in your phone right now? Who do you take out and be like, boom, look who I have in my phone right now? Say that again now. Who's the coolest person in your phone? If you want to, you're out at a bar, you want to impress everyone there, besides being Sean Woods from Kentucky, take your phone out. Who can you pull up in your phone and call? Who's the coolest person in your phone right now? Two people, my wife and my little boy. How <laughs> about seeing this person in your phone? We'll go that way. That's a hard question, man. I got some cool guys in my phone. You know, I don't want to single nobody out. Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into my phone and see. Uh, I don't before know. the interview is um, over, you have, to, you have to give me an answer before we go. I'm always, I'm always curious who people say. Some people say, you know, Jay-Z or this one. <clears throat> Derek Anderson was on a few, a few months ago. He had Jordan's phone number. Everyone has someone. Uh-huh. So I want to hear who your coolest one would be. So before well, my, we hang up, you have to let me know, right? My, 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 my well, there's three guys you know okay. that that I who's made who made history with me, actually, and that's John Pelfrey, Dan Fellhouse, and Richard Farmer. So I would have to go with those three. But if, if you want just a real, real famous person, uh, people can remember. Uh, they don't they don't know all my history, but uh, there was a guy who who I played you know high school with, a, I mean AAU with, and things like that, who considered one of the best high school players. And one of the best pros, uh, best power force to ever play the game, that's Sean Kemp. In, he's in your phone. Yep. Yeah, that, okay, that's a huge one. Now, that should be your first answer. We'll, so we'll go with the, your wife, your kid, and then we'll go with Sean Kemp. Now, listen, do you, have you kept. So you're you going to forget about the yeah. Unforgettables then, huh? So you just throw them away. No, no, I'm not throwing them away. I love the Unforgettables. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, sure. Do you keep any memorabilia from your, your playing times? I'm always curious. Some players don't keep anything, and some players keep any everything. Do you keep anything from your I, playing days? I tell you what, my mom. I just come from Indianapolis because my little boy plays uh, AAU up there now but, uh, in mm-hmm. Indiana. But if you go to my mom's house, you know, God bless her soul, she's passed away now. But my dad's still there, or my stepdad. And as soon as you walk in the door, it's nothing but Sean Woods memorabilia from the University <laughs> of Kentucky. So I love it when I. <laughs> I listen to this. So if you if you, as soon as you walk in the door it just hits you with Sean Woods in Kentucky. So you, you that that's my mom kept everything. I mean she has more stuff than me. I do have a couple things in my office and at home, but it's a shrine in my mom's house, especially right there as, as you walk into the door. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, Let, uh, we'll finish up now. What is your your best UK moment? Your best moment at the University of Kentucky. My best moment. Yes, your favorite most. Like <clears throat> special moment for you at Kentucky? Ooh. I don't know. Uh, probably getting my degree from the University of Kentucky. Uh, that's a great answer. Okay, how about your biggest regret, coaching or at Kentucky? Your biggest regret, if you can go back and go, you know what? I wish I could do that over. What would it be? 
when the ball was in the air, when Grant Hill threw it to Christian Lagner, I was right there underneath the rim, and if the ball was in there long enough for me to just run up there and tap it. Oh. <laughs> you broke my heart. We're ending the interview on a sad note. Okay. What do you think of the one-and-done rule? Do you think kids can, if they wanted to, do you think they should be able to come out of high school and go right to the NBA? Do you think they should have to play two years in college? What do you think of the current rule that you have to go to college for a year or play internationally for a year? I, I think that this is America, and, and you know, you, you, you know, it's, it's the, the Constitution says you're free to do whatever you want. I, I think that you should be able to come right out of high school if, if, if need be, you can go to work right out of high school, and, and NBA is a job. So, I, you know, if, if you can do it and your employer is an NBA team and they, they draft you, then I think you have, you know, I think you, you know, should be able to do it. Now, I mean, but if you don't go and you decide to go to college, and I think, you know, if, if you go to college, I think you should be able, you have to stay two years. If you don't go and you go straight to the NBA, I think you should be able to. But I think it should be either or. If you if you I go like to that. college, I, I like that. I think you should be able to stay for two. I think you should have to stay for two years. But if you don't want to go to college, I think you should be able to go to the NBA right out of high school. Sure, listen to me. Thank you so much for joining me. Real quick before we go, who wins this year's national championship? University of Kentucky. Sure, listen. When I get to down there, we'll meet up. We'll meet up with Sean Rafferty's. Thank you so much for joining my show. I an absolute blast. I've been dying to interview you since 1992, and I cried that night, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. No problem. Be good, brother. The great Sean Woods joining me on a Monday afternoon. We've been texting back and forth, and here's what's great about him. When I went out to Kentucky, when I made the pilgrimage, I met uh, this awesome guy, Sean, from Rafferty's, amazing restaurant. I met up with him after the Kentucky game. He's like, oh, I'm close with Sean Woods. I'm like, I'm sure you are. Texted Sean Woods on the spot. He actually gave me a ball signed by the entire 1996 championship team. It's actually framed, mounted in my uh, apartment right now. And I've been texting Sean Woods, and he's like, yeah, listen, I'll come on whenever you want. I'm like, okay, if we win Thursday night, I'm going to have you on. Obviously, we beat West Virginia. I was too nervous to have him on Friday night. I didn't want to jinx anything, but the opportunity arose where you can interview a up-and-coming head coach. He's going to get a huge job eventually. He does great things. And if they would have beaten Murray State this year, it was a heartbreaking loss. They played Belmont to go to the dance, and they beat Belmont already once this year, so you never know what happens. So, everyone, thank you for listening. I don't know if I can possibly, if my nerves can help me do another show. I am off to Europe the day after the national championship. It's no coincidence because if the unthinkable happens and the Wildcats lose, I need to just be away from, from America. I wish I could go to the moon if it happens, but... Like Sean Wood said, I think this is a team of destiny. Hopefully, fate doesn't fail us. This is the year of Big Blue Nation. Everyone, thank you for listening. Have a great day.